One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Alan Pardew at three o'clock in the morning at the back of the back of the bar, um, and then when I was about eight. Uh, Chelsea had just beaten Middlesbrough and I did a knee slide up to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank who was on the losing Middlesbrough team. I want to see how your feelings differ from when Lampard got sacked to now. So I'm like 18 running a fan channel and it was well, at that point one of the biggest on the internet which is I still can't believe they trust an 18 year old. It was basically like look here's the keys lock up when you're done. It took it out of me. I burnt out. Um, mentally there was one point where it went, I went, it went very dark and obviously the people I thought my friends didn't support me. I was kind of just left out to dry. I'll, I'll be straight up. It, it, it did. Suicide did cross my mind a couple of times. Has done in the past. It's actually, it's actually the first time I've actually spoken about it openly on a, on a podcast, to be fair. Um, so when I was two, uh, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. And even after school sometimes, getting on the train, going up to London and seeing your, your mum just attached to a drip. Do you think then that going through all of those things that, that you have been through, has that changed or gave more reason to why you started Imperial Wharf? We are in a Saturday division in non-league. We are unbeaten. So right now, realistically, we are the best team in South West London. Um, and yeah, you know what? It's not 100 Chelsea. It's not top of the game anymore. But do you know what? I am happy. Welcome to Football and Feelings, the podcast that produces a cocktail of football, life lessons, some light-hearted fun and a dash of mental health just to perfect the taste. If you're new around here, then head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating. That will help me grow the podcast every week. But for now, I'm joined by my lovely guest for this episode. He's an Italian stallion who lives <laughs> for the beautiful game. He bleeds royal blue of Chelsea and I keep telling him to get that checked, but he, he just he just won't it's Tunbridge Wells's answer to Al Pacino Louis <laughs> how you doing Louis it's all, very... yeah, no, um, it's all good it, it works because my dad apparently looks like Robert De Niro so then you've got like the, oh, like the amalgamation said, of I should have said De Niro yeah, I did no. write that originally. I thought I, he's, a, he's a De Niro man, but then I switched it up. I, I, to be fair, I, I am more of a De Niro man, but Scent of a Woman is a fantastic film. Watched that yesterday. Yeah. Loved it. Um, but yeah, I'm very good. Thank you for the intro. That's that's one of the best ones I've ever had, to be honest. And t- but sticking Tunbridge Wells in there as well, because that's the thing, whenever people, people don't realise that's where I'm from, it's I've nuts. I've done my research, boy. I've done my research. <laughs> so I saw it on your LinkedIn, in case you're wondering. <laughs> 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 You're still on there. I should probably change that. Go to show I don't use LinkedIn that often. How, um, I'm, yeah, happy to have you on. Um, after months of you just turning up at my house, knocking on the door, throwing stones at the window, finally uh, we, we got you on the pod. Yeah, I know. You got you got you got Dan on first. I was like, why 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 is Dan so special? You know, I was there like, what's wrong with him? You know, but yeah, no, it's it's mate. I'm, I'm so excited to be here because I, I love it. I think it's such mm-hmm. a good show. I, I listen to it like religiously. Brilliant. Oh, that's nice of you, mate. That's nice of you. How are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling at the moment with uh, sort of the end of lockdowns in sight, normalities resuming stage by stage? Oh, mate, I'm I'm loving it. I think the biggest thing for me is like just, we're just be able to play football again. 
because obviously mm. he's kind of been locked up in the house. I'm very fortunate because even though I live in London, um, me and my housemate have obviously we, we've got a garden, so we can like we could go and sit in it. Obviously, not in you know December and January yeah. and you know February, but you know recently we've been able to go into the garden, put our feet up, sort of enjoy it. Um, but it's been nice, just literally, even though we're training down local parks, just getting 15, 20 guys down to a training session with Wolf and playing football, playing matches. It's just, oh, that's, that's the, my favourite thing so far. Um, mm. Soon it will be going to the pub. But obviously, we've got to, got to get to there first. Yeah, um, life's and, all about balance. Yeah, exactly. You know, work-life <laughs> balance. You, you've got to get it right, you know. You've got to eat, pray, love. She has spaghetti. I just have a dart <laughs> fruit. There's a difference. <laughs> on, the, on that note, actually, I want to start by talking about your your Italian roots. I want to see if you're if you're in touch with the culture of your family or, or that side of your of your family. What a segue, by the way. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I am. Um, I've, I've so I've I've actually I'm more in touch with my what I feel personally my Italian side of my family than I am the English or the Irish because I'm actually quarter Irish. Um, I want to. But the thing, I want to. I want to learn more about my entire family because I like, um, like my mum was from Liverpool and, and all that sort of stuff. And obviously she had uh, Irish mum, so my grandma was Irish. And then yeah, that's all of that. So I want. I need to actually speak to my uncle about that because that's something I really want to learn about. Mm. Um, but yeah, I feel. I think yeah, my Italian Italian side of my family. Obviously, growing up with my dad, um, we used to spend a lot of the time in Italy. When I was younger, we go like two, three times a year. Um, Obviously, with COVID and then with other stuff as well as life's gone on, haven't gone as frequently as we wanted to. Like, I've not been to Italy now for two years, I think, mm. three nearly. So I, I do need to go back because it's for me, it's a very important part of my, my process in terms of um, my work and stuff as well, which obviously we'll, we'll talk a bit later because obviously there's other stuff you wanted to talk about because it kind of fits more in there. Um, but I think, yeah, no, obviously with my dad, he he was born here. He was he's not he's he's a uh, Anglo Italian. So both my grandparents came over from Italy in the fifties. Uh, my dad was born here at one Hyde Park place, uh, which is now which was a hospital. I don't know what it is now, um, but yeah, he grew up around here. Obviously, round in London from King's Cross. Um, so I, I do the the that part of my life, like sort of the English of the, like, even though I said not as much in touch the English side of me. Obviously, being in, I was in London a lot growing up. Obviously, for other reasons as well, which we'll touch on later. Mm. Um, but you know, we'd spend a lot of time here. Um, my family all ran Italian restaurants. So, for example, my great uncle he had a place uh, in Bushy called the Alpine. Um, my cousin he then ran a ran a place um, called well he ran, he was at the Alpine. Now he runs a pub in Watford. Um, and then my another one of my cousins actually runs or was the manager, um, and he's still he's still a partner in a, a place called Little Italy uh, and Bar Italia, which is where I I'm often. I just love going there. It's in Frisch Street in Soho. It's a brilliant place to go. Uh, it's the weirdest thing I think I've seen there was I bumped into Alan Pardew at three o'clock in the morning at the back of the back of the bar. Um, and then when I was about eight, uh, Chelsea had just beaten Middlesbrough and I did a knee slide up to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, who was on the losing Middlesbrough team. So stuff like that where, you know, there's, there's stuff like that. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> Loads of people. My dad, it's mad. Like the, when you go to that place, like my dad was telling me he bumped into like rude, rude Hullet just at the back of a bar. I'm like, what? Like it's just some random <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, so sort of in terms of the Italian side of stuff, I I, I can speak it. But if, if, if we went there, I'd have to break myself in. It takes me uh-huh. a couple of couple of days just to tune my ear in. Um, because I, I do get a bit nervous when I do when I try and speak another language. Um, mm-hmm. but you know I can do Italian, can do. A, a, quite a bit of French and then Spanish just kind of like you know the basics like cerveza 
and stuff like that. <laughs> man, um, man of many talents. Uh, do you want to uh, <laughs> do, do you want to do the intro again on this podcast in Italian? How, how do you feel about that? You have to pay me, mate. You're not paying me. You know what I mean? You know, so, <laughs> so, 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 because it's an English name as well. Would you want, you'd probably want, because it's the branding, you'd probably say it in English as well. So, yeah. Benvenuti al football and the feelings. That's kind of what it would be. Oh, very um, nice. Very so, nice. yeah. Or then, yeah, cal- culture and, I can't remember what feelings is. So yeah, just go with the football and the feelings, which is not my friend ever say it. These are mate, these are when when internationals come around, which side are you are you siding with? Going England or Italy? England, England, yeah. I was yeah, I mean look, I was I, I was born here, like as much as I say I don't feel as in touch with my English roots as I do my Italian. Um obviously I appreciate where I come from. And my my dad's an England fan, so it's like, you know, and I'm not, yeah, it's like, it's always, it's always been English. It's like, for example, when Italy won the World Cup in 2006, it was quite cool. You know, it was like, obviously we were watching it and um, there's quite a big Italian, obviously, like I said, one dad's from King's Cross, there's quite a big Italian community uh, in around Clerkenwell and stuff. And there's an Italian church. And I remember they used to, they literally locked off uh, a big chunk of Clerkenwell uh, for like when Italy won the World Cup. There was like massive street parties and stuff. So that was cool. Um, but for me, you know, I'm, I'm English when it comes to me football. Um, that's kind of where I, I, I like to settle because obviously, you know, I, I like the I like the pain, I like the anguish, I like the culture. You know, they haven't got they haven't got three lines on a shirt for Italy. You know, it's not the same. <laughs> was it was it through family then that you became a Chelsea fan as well, mm-hmm. or is that through maybe through family? It was it was. Um, so uh, I was born uh, on the on the twentieth of December, uh, and uh, my dad remembers it because it's the day we beat Huddersfield. Mm, uh nice. and uh within like two minutes apparently i'd like already had like a, a chelsea teddy bear like it was like that's that's it it's, it's done done deal um so i've been a chelsea fan my entire life um i i kind of i was a bit of a late bloomer when it came to it though so like, i always supported chelsea growing up and i go and watch the games with dad like my first one was norwich i think it was 2005 um and obviously, I enjoyed watching the football. I didn't go to many games when I was younger. I only really started properly going when I was about 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became like, a, my dad was like, do you just want to go to Chelsea on a weekend? Is it something you want to do? I was like, yeah, don't see why not. And then I just started going with dad. And then we got tickets every week. And I just go and go and go and go. And then eventually, obviously, it just became, you know, part of, part, part of my life, you know, just every week down at Chelsea without fail. Um, and uh, yeah, like it, I... I've all, I've always loved Chelsea. Like even like I said, even even though I was a late bloomer, kind of watch the games. Like I'd always be watching it on the telly at home um, if I could, because my dad didn't like he did, he never we never had Sky growing up. So for example, all the games that were on Sky, I just had to watch the highlights on Match of the Day mm-hmm. um, because my dad wasn't he hated he hates the Sky dishes. He was like I don't want a dish on the front of my house. So I was like, <laughs> but, but dad, I want to watch the football. And he's like okay, well no, deal with it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so we uh, we literally, so I, do, I was always watching Match of the Day or, you know, I, I try and keep up with it in other ways. Um, but yeah, I, I always, I've always loved and supported the club growing up and stuff. Um, so it's, yeah, it's keeping tabs on football and all that's always just been something I've done. But in terms of like making it basically a religion, it was like, mm. it was a bit later than a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Who was the player that made you like really connect with the club? Because everyone has one or two of those players, right? For me, it was Thierry Henry, just because yeah. that was the perfect timing for me to come through. But who was yours? Uh, it's actually the bloke who's who's just there. I obviously can't switch the camera, but uh, Gianfranco Zola. So even even though, <laughs> yeah. like I said, I didn't I didn't watch as much as growing up. I always my dad was obsessed 
obsessed with Zola. So, for example, we we we'd literally be playing even this. It'd be stuff like, um, you know, we we just talk about Zola every every single shirt I had until I was about uh how old i think it was about eight or nine maybe i had 25 on the back every single time without fail um and it was just like yeah just zola was just the, the player which you know i grew up loving and i loved watching even though i never got to see i got to see him live once i never got to see him as much as i'd like but you know i just I, you watch zola and i just he, he was he was majestic i just mm. i just loved it um and i think also that's where it's that the, the italian connection as well because my dad obviously you know he He's been going to Chelsea since 1968, I think. Um, and he was saying, you know, the, he his favourite era, obviously other than when we're constantly winning stuff now, which is great, um, was was the 90s when you had the likes of, you know, Gianluca Vialli, uh, Roberto Di Matteo, Zola, like all just coming, coming to Chelsea. Um, and obviously he that was kind of a big, a big era. So obviously growing up, it was always Gianfranco Zola. You know, first signing when you're playing FIFA, Gianfranco Zola. First, it's just just always <laughs> was him. Um, but I think obviously, you know, actually going to watch, you know, John Terry, Frank Lampard. Like I've been very fortunate to to grow up when Chelsea mm. had just been absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, Zola is the man. Which like just yeah, just I love him. He's amazing, and he's yeah. such a nice bloke as well. Don't blame you. Yeah, he was one of those players that. It, they just made football look look a bit like art, really. Like it just it looks so easy. Um, but going to like to more recent times as a Chelsea fan, it feels like it's been a, a, a strange year or two. Um, yeah. How I want to see how your feelings differ from from when Lampard got sacked to now, because so many fans were gutted, understandably. Uh, it just seemed like it was maybe maybe a bit too early to change what see, what seems like uh, a new direction, a long term direction mm. for the club, which again was something quite new to to Chelsea's sort of culture with, with managers and stuff like that. But how are you feeling more optimistic now? Or are you still a little bit gutted? I mean, it's as as, as philosophical as it sounds. It's been and done. The door is closed. Frank Lampard's tenure is over. You know, you've got to look forward. Mm. And, you know, we've, we've got Thomas Tuchel in charge now. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. I think as much as Chelsea were saying, it's, a, you know, we're looking at a project and we've got one manager, all this sort of stuff. It was clear that Frank Lampard was simply a scapegoat because nobody wanted to take the job. Um, he was the only person who turned around, yeah, I'll do it. Like, you know, he, he had a, obviously mm. a short-term contract, really. Um, at the time, obviously, Thomas Tuchel was on an 18th month one, but at the time, Lampard got a very short-term deal. Um, and they're saying, you know, it's a project, you know, it's, we've got a vision, it's a process, da, 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 all this stuff. And then they just go, oh, cool, that's it, sack him, move on. For me, like, I I, I think I enjoy watching Chelsea the most when I have affinities with the managers. Mm. Um for example, I loved Antonio Conte. I just the passion on the touchline. I think was a big thing for me because I, I won't hide it. I am a passion merchant. That's kind of one of my things. Um, I've, I've seen the rants, mate. I've seen the rants. <laughs> <laughs> Not my proudest moments, though. But you know, I, 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 I am a bit of a passion merchant. Uh, obviously, Mourinho when he came into the club, just the the, the, the sparkle and, mm. and the charisma and the persona when he first arrived. You know that that like he is one of the reasons I started coaching. Like, I just love... I, no matter who... He, I know he's at Tottenham now and people might think he's... They call him Judas or sort of stuff. I look at Mourinho and I just, I just love him. I can't hate him. Um, and um, obviously, Frank Lampard, I kind of had an affinity because of who it was. And I think I, I, even though the football was very erratic and there'd be times you look at it going, oh my God, what the hell is going on here? It, it, 
I think it's because it was Lampard that there was a certain element of you, you just felt more engaged. Yeah. Um, and there was a period, to be honest, like where you know where to where Sari was in charge. I just didn't enjoy watching the football. I thought it was just very much you go from A to Timbuktu to Sydney. Uh, then you go back to Italy, then you go over to France, and then you actually get it across the other side of the pitch. Um, and then by that point, obviously, they've already set up their deck chairs and defend the defensive team. So it'd be mm. like, you're looking at it going, okay, well, you know, this is crap. But you can see that Chelsea apparently were looking at obviously moving away from just different defensive football to, you know, being more entertaining. And sorry, proven he could do that with Napoli. So I thought, okay, well, you know, we'll just see what happens with it. Obviously, he left, went back to, back to Italy. Um... Then Lampard came in, but then I think at the first point under Tuchel, I was feeling a bit flat. Like there, there, there was, there has been a period over the past couple of years where my love hasn't wavered, but I'd be kind of there going like, it's just watching it for the sake of it almost because yeah. it was just part of my routine. And then at the first bit of Tuchel, that's kind of how it felt. Um, I was bored watching it. I didn't. I, I could multitask. I could literally go out into the other room and come back. You know, it's that's the sort of stuff that I do if I'm whacking on, you know, I whack on a test match for the cricket or I watch a whack on the Formula One. It's just on, you know, mm. and then I can go in and out. That's what it felt like I was doing under under the first few games under Tuchel. But to to be fair to you know, when he first arrived, he was saying all the right things, and he he he's obviously a very good coach. So I was, mean, I was just sitting there with my dad, both are sort of going like, look, like you can't really have an affinity to a manager anymore at Chelsea. Like, irrespective, they're going to say it's a project. What it will be is it'll be one vision, but with. 82 million managers. So, you know, you just got to just deal with it and, and go with it. Um, uh, but the, the, the thing for me, the, the Liverpool game, when we beat them, that's where it clicked. Um, you could see the football was starting to come together. You could see that there was actually passages of play. It was never going to happen overnight when Tuchel first arrived. But I think mm. the differences between him and Lampard are very apparent because Lampard was such a novice. You know that the the game management wasn't quite there, and uh, you know he obviously slowly developed it and, and pushed on. And um, but you know you got a guy in Tuchel who I think many people undervalue and underrated him because he was at PSG. You know what he did at Mines, what he did at, at Dortmund. You know it's no mean feat. And then with PSG, he got them even though it might have an asterisk next to it because of the the situation. He got them to a Champions League final where guys like Carlo Ancelotti couldn't do it. Um, so I think, you know, there's there's no mean feat there. And also we, we've now got a coach who who's very, um, well, very German. I think it's just the way to do it. You know, it's Wolfsburg <laughs> Deutsch technique, a lot of efficiency. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, you know, I, th- I think that slowly it's coming together. Um, again, I, I like him. I think he's great. I'm not putting, and people might think why, like you say that, but you're not having an affinity. It sounds like you're not convinced. I'm convinced. I, I think he's great. But I just don't want to get close because I know, well, given his history as well, he likes to have a row with the board. So if he has a row, he'll be gone and then we'll be mm. back to square one. So it's like I don't want to get close to somebody for it to then completely just fall apart again, you know. Yeah. But it's basically like I, I've I've never had a long-term girlfriend, but that's what it's like with, you know, football managers. You know, they're my exes now. <laughs> so I'm there like, okay, I, just, I can't get close. I don't want to get hurt ever again. But it's kind of what it's like <laughs> with me at Chelsea now. <laughs> done, done, and on to the next one. Um, let's put um, let's put those those coaching skills to the test. Then, if Mister Benavente okay. was the manager right now, what positions or, or areas would you would you say need to be improved the most in the current Chelsea lineup? I would personally say the spine. I think if we're if we're sticking with a three back, I think I'd like to see a long term option come in at centre back. Um, mm. 
I'd like to see a centre forward who can score. Another, and again, another long-term option. Might not be completely long-term. There's, there's literally only two players I want up front. It would either be Lukaku, which I think we could get because Inter Milan are broke. So we might be able to get them at a, him at a cut price and then he can just come into the club and obviously finish what he started, which I think as a player, he's someone who, when he has a chip on his shoulder and has a point to prove, he does it, which I think mm. is superb. Uh, or the obvious one being Haaland, who's just the... I don't get like he's just a, a machine. He's not yeah. from this planet. Like his, his, his face doesn't look right. It's it's all mm. like it's like he his, when he was younger, his face fitted, but now he's got older. His forehead just got bigger and his chin's got bigger. Like he's he's an alien. He's definitely from Mars. But he, yeah, him, him or Lukaku uh, and defensive. I want a number six. I want a defensive midfielder, mm. and I only want Declan Rice. That's the only player I want because mm. I'm a passion merchant. Because he's a Chelsea fan, and he just happens to also be very very good. So. um you know, I think Declan Rice would be the option. Centre back, it, it's difficult to say because there aren't very many solid long term options available in world football now. Like there was such an abundance in the noughties of, of, of yeah. players and, and centre backs that you'd look at and go, yeah, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good. I have him, him, him. Now you look at it, it's like there's there's a it's a very it's very difficult to find the perfect centre back. Mm-hmm. Um it probably doesn't help that I've been spoiled growing up with, you know, Ricardo Carvalho, John Terry, you know, Alex, even though he wasn't the best, I thought Alex was solid as well. You know, Gary Cahill, we've had amazing options. So I've been very spoiled, but I definitely would like to see maybe, uh, not, not maybe not as long-term, but obviously centre-backs do last a little bit longer. Maybe someone who's like 27, 28, um, just to come into the side and just hold it down for at least five, six years, maybe. Um, and then obviously have the other the team grow around them, and then you have just having that solid spine is so important to a football team. Um, other spits are interchangeable, but I mean you look, you look at Chelsea over the past twenty years. The reason we've been so successful is because we had that spine. You had Czech, mm. uh, Terry, you had Ashley Cole. Obviously, you know Ricardo Carvalho for a long time, but you know Czech, Terry, Ashley Cole, Frank Lampard, Didier Dropper. You had you had that. The team, I mean, Steve Sidwell did an interview about a few months ago, didn't he? Where he basically said, when Avram Grant was a manager, they ran the team. They just did it themselves. And, you know, the fact that you had players like that, I mean, it's very difficult for that to ever happen again. I mean, you look mm. at Manchester United, it took them a while to, they had that spine once, and they've had it a few times over 20 years. But, no, not even over 20 years, over like, over, since Matt Busby, really, they had that, his first spine, they had his last spine, they had Fergie, and then Fergie's two spines like in the, in the space of like 50 60 year they've had like four four solid uh center back or oh, four solid spines chelsea i think you know it's very because of the way the players are built now i don't think you're ever going to get that caliber of mentality again um because players are wrapped in cotton wool now to be honest i mean just i mean my generation i mean i i i, I mentally feel a lot older than i am um, because I look at people my age sometimes and I just look at the, some of the stuff that they come out with or some of the, some, it's just anything, Twitter, whatever it is, you look at mm. my generation and it's just like, it, it, it makes my brain hurt. Like I, I'm actually worried for the planet now because I'm there going, what are we going to do? Because there's going to be someone who is in this generation who we run in countries like that that's that that's scary like, I, I don't like that um but i think you know it's like we, to, we, you have to get a very strong spine with a very strong mentality but where those players are i have no idea 
<laughs> well, we'll find out. I think the idea of Rice coming back is obviously very romantic. Although it seemed yeah. like that was almost quite heavily reliant on on Lampard. Like he he wanted him so much. Um, but yeah. we'll, we'll see. I, I look forward to seeing where Rice goes and Haaland as well. That's just bloke's an absolute joke. Um, I, right. I can't wait to see how that evolves. Um, but I want to know when and how, or when and why you started doing fan channel content because it's it's evolved so quickly. I think it's become quite commercial quite quite quickly yeah. in, in this day and age and it's almost abnormal for a club to not have various fan channels being created around the stadium mm. well i mean i did my first fan cam uh when i was 17 actually no, I, no actually i've been 16 16 or 17 uh after chelsea beat tottenham in the carabao cup final um there was just just walking down wembley way and there's this bloke with a massive afro, Eunice. You know, he, he was just there. Um, and he goes, oh, do, do you want to talk? Do you want to do a fan cam? And at this point, I was like, you know, I mean, I think it's fair to say I, I do like being in front of camera and I do like being the centre of attention. And that's just, just, just my thing. Um, so I was like, yeah, all right, let's, let's, let's go do it. And I did it and I really enjoyed it. I had the chat and I kind of, I walked about 200 yards. And then I just kind of had an epiphany where it was like, oh. So that was quite good. Like, this might be something very interesting to do. So it was like, oh, I just went, oh, do you guys need any help? Like uh, just doing it more and more. And they're like, oh yeah, that would be really cool. Like, yeah, let's, let's just get you more involved. So then, yeah, like I just started doing more and more fan cams every single um, every single week. Uh, and then at the end of the season, I was kind of brought into the studio and all that sort of stuff. Um, 100% Chelsea was part of uh, Ball Street at that time. So I kind of went into there. And it is literally, it just kind of evolved from there. Um, and it just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. Um, and yeah, I, I just fell into it. There was no, there's, there's, I feel there's, there's a lot of people now that are, are doing it because they want to, they, it's because they want it to be famous and because they want, mm. you know, they just want to do a fan channel because that's that's the thing. I, I strongly advise if that's how people are approaching it, it won't work. I think I, I'm very lucky because I kind of just, it was very much just I became mates with Eunice, I became mates with Dan, and it's like we just, just it just worked. You know, it just kind of grew, but we weren't doing it because we wanted to have a fan channel. Like Eunice had been approached to sort of run it uh, by somebody else, and then he obviously that he took it and ran it. Um, and then when he left, I was kind of like the, the last man standing. So it was kind of just a case of Louis, do, do you want to run it? So I'm like 18, running a fan channel when it was well, at that point one of the biggest on the internet which is i still can't believe they trust an 18 year old it was basically like look here's the keys look up when you're done so mm. okay so it's obviously it was a lot of pressure um and i was doing that alongside my studies and stuff and then yeah i think the the commercialization part of it i i understand why it's there but i i do feel in some cases it's very animal farm now um, you know, fan channels I feel were set up to actually represent people. Whenever I, I well, and when I say that, I never. Whenever someone said, "Oh, Louis here to represent Chelsea," it'd be like, "Well, I, I don't represent everybody." Like I know there are people that think, yeah, fan channels are if we if we're going to name names, very much AFTV's bracket, which is you know, it's, it's just a load of people that are yelling. Some that like, well, all the fans come on actually supporting the club, but then others, for example, which are very much like, it's AFTV, I've got to get on here. Um, whenever 
I did fan cams. I never uploaded people who I felt were doing it for the sake of clicks. You know, I, I never wanted to do that because I actually wanted to have engaging conversations. And if people didn't agree with it, I'd say, oh, fine, that's cool. I completely understand why you think fan channels are a certain caliber because there is a there is a certain level of stigma attached to them um, because of what they are. But, you know, for me, I went into it going, I purely want to have conversations about the football. And I tell you what, if, you, if, if you're good and you talk and you can have those conversations, you'll be absolutely fine. Um, but now, obviously, as fan channels have grown, you know, they have just become media companies. Um, and it was always bound to happen. But, you know, when people are saying, you know, we're the voice of the fans and all this sort of stuff, I'm sitting there going, but we're not anymore. You know, if, if, you're, if you're a massive media company, it, it's, it's not the voice of, of fans. You know, it's, for, for, for me, a fan channel... Is it's it has to be very grassroots. It has to be very almost not under the radar, but you you, you can be known. It's good that you know companies like Sky and BT get fans involved and get fan media involved. Yeah. But I I feel that there there does need to be a certain element to it where you need to be on a, a grassroots level. You need to be boots on the ground because if you're not, you just don't get you just don't get the, the same vibe off of people. And obviously it's very difficult now with COVID and stuff, but, you know, being able to be on social media and have those conversations is great. But then at the same time, when you're doing that, you've then got the market becoming very saturated with everybody just, you know, going, oh, we're in lockdown. Let's start a stream yard and, and just do it. And, and look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, excuse me, French, I'm not shitting on those people. You know, I'm mm. not sitting there saying, oh, well, you shouldn't be doing it. I'm not trying to sound snobby. Um, but it's, it's kind of like I said, it's like there are people which are doing it to just be famous, you know. At the end of the day, however you want to do it, it's 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 your prerogative. You do what you want. Um, but there's this, like, you go on social media now. To be honest, I, I tweet and I put my phone down. Like, if 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 you if if I actually engage in a conversation with somebody, you know, it's kind of one of those where it's like, cool, like we're actually, I can actually feel, I can talk to you. It, it revolves into right. Just drop me a DM. Just talk to me there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I sit. You put out a conversation, and it's like just people sending for you and saying crap, and just like it's just all. I just I just like I said. I just I, I I'm an old man in comparison to a lot of my mates because I look at it and I'm, they they put something on Twitter and they go off and vent and they start having an argument with somebody and I'm sat there going just looking at my phone. I'm just going. Oh, Fuck this! Just fuck put the phone down. That's it. I just, I just can't be bothered, man. Like it's there's some stuff where it's like I feel yeah. It, fan media it, it has animal farmed on itself. So when they turn around saying you know we're the voice of the fans and all this sort of stuff and it's not really grassroots and it's now just evolving into media giants and media companies. That's not even though it's it's a fan channel and people speak of, of fans of the of the club. It's it's a it's a media company. Um, I think the the best people to have actually kind of, even though they've grown, but they've kept that sort of mentality and that that strength within them. I think the Redmen TV is is the best at doing that. And I've talked Norwich City, Jack and Chris as well. Like despite having like amazing connections with the club, they still have maintained that fan mentality of this is what we are. We're not gonna try and be something we're not and, and grow and develop and you know get all snazzy with how we do our stuff and. You know, I feel that you know, there are there are other companies which haven't done that, and I've seen the growth of them turn into something which they said they'd never be. Um, and I think that 
yeah, for, for me, it's it's kind of one of the reasons I walked away from 100% Chelsea, just purely because I was in those offices with those people and it's like, it, it was toxic, you know? Mm. It, it wasn't, let's make good content and and try and engage with audiences and, and, and talk about football in, in a smart and intelligent way. It's, right, 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 what are your views this month? What's the numbers this? What's the numbers that? What's the number? And it literally just became a business. And I'm sat there going, well, I, I understand that that's the case, but you still need to have that sense of, of, of fan media, that sense of conversation. The kickoff, I think, again, is another great example of balance. You know, it's fantastic production value, fantastic conversations. And there's people that have obviously grown within the, in the industry to become journalists almost, but they still have that sense of we are fans of football. It's it's not it's not the traditional NCTJ route. It's the very much this is where we came from. It's a new breed, but this is what we want to do. But you know, in, in other companies, it was very much numbers, 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 numbers. And I'd be I'd be sitting there in meetings, just going, do you know what? Like this ain't worth it. It ain't worth it because mm-hmm. there'd be meetings, there'd be politics. It'd be toxic. It made me toxic, a very toxic person for a little while, until I literally had to walk away and take a year away from YouTube. Like, I was literally doing Imperial Wolf. That's it. Um. But it, yeah, I think fan fan media it's it's changing and it's growing. But I feel that there, I'm not sure about it anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I think there's there's certain ways that I want to do things with how I want to do the Chelsea Echo and how I want to do my personal thing. But I, I don't know. There's there's it's 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 good that it's growing. It's good that it's saturated. I think it's fantastic. But I very much look at it now, and I think of that scene in Anchorman Two when all the uh, all the news companies are yeah. fighting each other. It's literally what it is now. And I sit there, it's like, uh, you know, the the inside of, uh, it's the inside of the industry is very much like, uh, I feel, um, you think you think it's very glamorous, but it's very much uh, Les Grossman and Tropic Thunder. That's pretty right. much what it was like working in, 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 certain, in certain areas. Um, but I'm, yeah, it's one of those where I think it's great to see so many people doing it. It's just I think they need it's great and fantastic to see such. There are a lot of young content creators which are coming through. Like guys, I see look at, at Chelsea. I look at the you know the Chelsea Social. I think they're fantastic. You know, uh, like uh, Elizabeth Helenek. Uh, I think that you know Jay McIntosh is another, uh, is a fantastic guy as well. Obviously, Dan's come back as well. Um, you know, there's there's some really really good people coming through. Um, this is what I mean. Do you see what I mean by saying I mean I sound old. Like I've I've been doing this for new. Half a decade? Some Harry Redknapp. <laughs> Mate, you know, I'm, I've been doing it for six years, but I, it made me go grey. I'm a silver fox on the side now. You can't see it because I've had it, I'm like, I get it cut, but it's like, you know, um, yeah, I think I think it's it's, it's good to see such a, such a growth within the industry, but at the same time, there's almost an oversaturation to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good to see there are people that are actually doing fan media for the right reasons. But yeah, I think, I think did I answer? You, did I even answer your question? Then I just went off. Yeah, on one. I, I, I think I think you answered my next, my next five questions. <laughs> 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 but but no, but no, on 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 that on that note, of a hundred percent Chelsea, it seemed to like vanish off the face of the earth. Looking at looking yeah. at the socials really quickly, but. I've, uh, you're right. There is a very fine line with fan channels, I think, between representing the fans. I don't think you really can represent fans. No. I don't think I don't really think that's how it works because every fan has has different opinions. But the, you can always tell which channels run a, a journalistic approach, let, let's call it, and um, which run a a clickbait approach. Like people yeah. aren't they're not even trying to get good 
10 minute videos anymore they're trying to get good five second clips that then end up on the socials with like just yeah. one one liners just one line bangers but I, I feel like we could quite easily get sucked into that negative part but i want to know i want to know what the best thing was about being part of like you said one of the the biggest fan channels especially the chelsea fan channels especially at the time in 100 percent chelsea what, what were the positives I I think for for me I think it was I enjoyed the boots on the ground I enjoyed speaking to people for me that was a big positive there's the there's the obvious things where it's like oh you know you get to go on Sky Sports you get to this you get to that and I mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to go to Azerbaijan because of 100% Chelsea um and it's like you know I'm, I, there's there's all those obvious things but for me I I, I like I'm a man of simple pleasures sometimes <laughs> it might be expensive simple pleasures but you know it's I like I liked the you know, going into ground, feeling people could talk to you, just engaging in a good conversation about about Chelsea. Um, unfortunately, obviously, at, at the end, I think that for me, the whole the whole thing just became it's become tainted. It's 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 it's, mm. it's fortunate because I I learned a lot from it, um, and I think hindsight, you know, I was there thinking I'll be there for it for years. This will be my thing. I'll grow, develop. Da, 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 da. I, I never owned it. It was it's never it was never mine, um, which is a common misconception. Everyone thinks seems to think I was in charge of all this sort of stuff. Like I ran it, you know, I was the the head of, but it was never my my thing. So um, you know, I thought when at, when it was there, obviously we we built a good community, we built a good group of people, um, but at the end, unfortunately, unfortunately, we're getting sucked into the negatives. It was very much sort of like a. <laughs> Yeah, there there was the wrong mentalities, um, and you know, I'd, I'd like I said, I'd go into a meeting and I'd say, look, I want to go for the more journalistic approach. I don't want to because the people would be with you know, it's be running from a, it's like a, it was very red top sort of sensationalist conversations, and I'd be like, I don't, don't want to do that. You know, I want to actually have those conversations because now we have the platform, and it wasn't it wasn't purposefully having those sensationalist conversations. I wasn't there, like people often thought I was just doing it on purpose. And then when I obviously just sent, I said, now we have the platform. It wasn't a case of I was saying certain things to get to a certain point. It just naturally progressed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think also because the channel was being run by me at 18, I'm being run by me at 21, 22, you had, <laughs> I, th- I think the channel, it, I can't, I kind of was in my whole growing up process while I was trying to run something in a sustainable way and keep yeah. its image, which I think it it just came to, came to the loggerheads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be sitting there going, I wanted to go more kickoff. I wanted to go more high quality production, but I'd be sat there and the guy who runs it, he's like, oh, production quality doesn't matter. You know, just, just get the videos out. I'm like, okay, right. Well, if that's the case, it's not going to work. So I was kind of there a bit like, look, I learned a lot from it. It was fantastic to do a lot of the things I did, meet the people I did, have the conversation. I've still got friends from 100% Chelsea. You know, guys like Jordan, I still speak to every day. He helps me with the Chelsea. He helps me with Imperial Wharf. Um, Cameron is another guy, which, you know, we don't speak as much, but he's still a very good friend of mine. Also, there's people at Chelsea, which I, I became very good friends with. Um, but yeah, it's like for me, it, I stepped away. In some cases at the right time, in some cases at the wrong time. But yeah, my mental health... It, it it just it just wasn't sustainable mm-hmm. at all, at all. Yeah. Um, 
Do you think that was, was, that was mainly because of like the ins and outs of, of the channel and the platform? Or do you think yeah, part of that yeah. was like putting yourself out there? Because like football fans can be can be ruthless, right? Oh, it wasn't that. I didn't give a shit about that. Because um, right. I think I... I, I so, yeah, sorry, excuse me, French. It's <laughs> no, <laughs> very right. matter of fact about it. Um, I, I didn't care about that because I, I thought I'd built a very good reputation because whenever I talk about football, I wouldn't go on to you know, an opposition fan channel and then just start being really tribal. Mm-hmm. You don't get anywhere doing that. I'd rather sit down and go, okay, like this is the conversation we're having. I think this person's good. I think this person's bad. But at the same time, it'd be very balanced. Um, I, for me, it was the it was the, it was the politics. Like I said, I was mentioning it. You know, the, the politics of, of football YouTube and, you know, there was there was a lot of it where it's just, big, obviously like it's become very, you know, Billy Big Bollocks media sort of thing. And I'll be sitting there going, like lads, like we we all come from the same place. Like let's mm. let's not mess about here. Um, but it was just, yeah, it's like the, it was unfortunately where what it was part of was very poorly run, and then unfortunately I would be the one taking the brunt of it from everybody else who was involved because I was the one to be going into the meetings. I was the one to be having the conversations, trying to fix it and make sure that we got our fair our fair rep and. Um, Unfortunately, that's it's just never the case, and obviously it just it imploded. Um, and I, obviously, I'm not I'm not saying it's not part of it's not my fault. I think yes, yeah, I, I definitely did things wrong. Um, but like I said, you know, I was looking at it in hindsight. I'm going, do you know what? Like, I was 19, 20, 21, doing a degree at the same time. So I was basically doing a full time job and a full time degree, mm. and it just it took it out of me. I burnt out. Um, mentally, there was one point where it went. I went. It went very dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, the people that I thought my friends didn't, you know, didn't support me. I was kind of just left out to dry. Um, so it, yeah, it was it was very difficult. But you know, now I've I've moved on, and like I said, it's it was a very important part of my life, and I think it was it was very it was cool to do it. Um, but hit coming away and, and not, not not hitting rock bottom far from hitting rock bottom but coming away and just being able to sort of just look rather than be be in amongst it because if, if you're in it you don't get to see it when you're out of it a bit and you can just watch you can see where things went wrong what you i could do differently what the situations are and i just took the time just to look at it and go do you know what I'm going to go to Chelsea and I'm going to enjoy myself. You know, guys, guys, big, big props to, you know, George Benson, Yannick, Eunice, Nini, all these guys, which are literally gone, you need to come back. You need to do stuff. Uh, Dan, obviously as well, just like come come do content. It's important to have someone like you about and just have those conversations and just develop a, a good pool of people where we're all kind of in the same vision, but we're all on our independent paths, but we can all support each other. I think it's fantastic. Um, and credit, honestly, credit, biggest credit has to go to George because he, he pretty much kicked me dragging and screaming when I was at my lowest point. Like I, I didn't want to do anything like, after hundred and Chelsea ended. Obviously there was a lot of drama, which was completely out of my control and had, I mean, I don't think it has had a, a long-term impact, but you know, it had, it had an impact on this, the image and, and the, the, the product I tried to create and sort of how I put myself forward to the world as I was, something and then i was being created as something which i'm not um how so do you think how how do you think you were you were being sort of portrayed oh i was portrayed as as the bad guy who did everything wrong and it was it was all my fault all the time um 
you know, there was, there was a lot of things to do with financial situations, which were completely out of my control. And I'd explain that to those people several times. Um, and it didn't help that if they didn't fulfill a contractual obligation, I was too nice. And I went, you know what? If you do this bit for me and fill this contract with me personally, because when the company says, don't pay them, they're not worth it. And then, you know, you go, okay, well, I don't, I disagree with that, but if that's how we're going to do it, I can't control that. It's your, it's your thing. I have to go with it. I then go back and say, right, you know, I'll try and help you as much as I can. And then they then again fail to fulfill something. And then I'm painted as the bad guy again. It's uh, it's like, I, I got painted as this evil, conniving, toxic, you know, just, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't nice. Um, it wasn't nice. Um, and it did have an impact. Um, and I'm still trying to pick up the piece from that. Ment- ment- mentally, I've, you know, uh, from just from that year, I do have, um, I've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Not not severe, thankfully. You know, there are people which are in a much worse place than me. Um but just from that, you know, at the end of 100% Chelsea, when all the stuff was happening and I, I felt like I couldn't do anything and I wanted to help them and I wanted to do things, you know, I was having panic attacks, you know, I was, you know, PTSD, like it it was bad, really bad. Um, and it's when I, yeah, it's, it kind of, it kind of showed me, I, I'm now, I thought I was a good judge of character at that point. Because I mean, growing up, I never really had many friends. I was very, I was very much an outcast, which I think you know, do it in the sector that I am now. I think that's a very good thing because it means that you know I can create my own thing and I can, you know, I, I want to build a community where people can feel that they can come together. But yeah, I thought I was a very good judge of character. Turned out I wasn't. <laughs> um, but now, you know, I mean, people people might disagree with it. They might see it. They might disagree and say whatever. It's like cool, whatever have they won't have a conversation about it you know i've i've often often made it clear that i'd want to fix things I, I want to even if we can't be friends i just want to sit there and be like look this is what it was let's actually be a grown up and have the conversations um but yeah it's like i think that it 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 definitely made me it definitely made me as much as we're saying it's a like I said, I, I want to look at it and look at all the positives. And there are some, fan- like I said, there are some fantastic things yeah. that I had the pleasure of doing. But I unfortunately don't look at my time at 100% Chelsea as positively as I could. It will change. It will change. Mm-hmm. Just I'll be in a decade. I'll probably look back and go, do you know what? This bit at the end, yeah. which I do think now is was pointless. It was futile. But I can look back and I do look at, there are some fantastic memories I have um, with those people, with with the pe- friends I've made in the industry as well. And there are still people which I look up to so much and I see about, and it's just great to see them doing so well because um, we all grew together. Um, and it's and it's it's fantastic to see people growing and, and, and getting their just desserts. Um, my aim now is just to, in my life, I just want to be happy, you know? I want to have my friends around me, you know, my family uh, and just people. I'm still ambitious, but, you know, I don't don't just want to look at the numbers because that's where it all went wrong. Um, I want to make good things. And if the numbers come, which hopefully they do, you know, if they they don't, I've, I've had that part of my life. I have to move on. 
Um, but you know, I want to make good videos and good content, and create a good community on online where people can feel that they can have a, a, a good conversation and not just fall into futile, stupid arguments on the internet and just literally sit there and go, well, let's dissect things and talk about it properly. Um, and look, you know, like I said, it was a very important part of my life, very important people, very important lessons learned. Now I just need to look forward and just sort of go, cool, I've done it. Fantastic. I didn't hit my target. I don't have the silver play button. That was one thing which for me is always going to be a black mark. But I've got other projects now which I look at and go, do you know what? We're going to get them there instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's as much as I, you know, I don't care about the numbers and the silver play button and all that sort of stuff. The silver play button, it is, it is nice to hold something <laughs> out and go, I've done this. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Let's kind of literally sit there and go, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's... um. Yeah, I just I just want to enjoy what I'm making and just you know I want to be the control I want to be the master of my own destiny. I I put too much trust in people to to help to get us there and it just didn't work. So now it's a case of look, I own what I make. This is mine, um, and people can come on the journey and they can take a chunk of it and like they had you know I ideally for me Imperial Wharf Chelsea Echo we bring it for example writers and creators we bring people in. And look, because they're so small, I can't offer anyone anything and they're helping build it. And I, I really appreciate that. But it's a case of, look, if you want to move on, I just want you to feel that you've achieved something. You know, I want you to feel that you can look at it and go, this is what I've done here and we can move on. Um, and that's already happened with a couple of people at Imperial Wharf. We've got um, Joe Lee. We had, he started with us. He was actually a player at first and he was he just wasn't getting in the team. So I said, look, can I do some media stuff? He's now moved on. He's now working out with second. He's working with seconds out of boxing as as a presenter, as a producer. Absolutely smashing it there. Um, one of my best friends, Jody. I was we were at uni together. She came to Wharf. She was doing stuff. Um, she then worked with loads of different clients. She's she's now worked with working with BT, you know, big media companies, like, sorting out all their their media stuff as well. Um, so I'm very proud to be able to, you know, help people get a foot on the ladder and then move on. Um, and that's something which, you know, I, I want to be able to do while I can't offer someone anything. But at some point, <laughs> it would be nice to hold on to some people and be like, right, well, actually, I can offer you something and we can actually build some, a, 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 something together. And even if it does become a conglomerate company, which I kind of said I didn't want to become, we maintain a certain path and a certain mentality, which means that we do represent a certain sector of people. And I don't want to say represent because, like I said, you can't represent everyone, mm-hmm. but you you have a, a good conversation, good journalistic approach, I'd say, and just good practices to build something. And it, it's going to take longer, no doubt about that, but I'd rather build something great to last 100 years than something good and is quick to build that'll last you 25 years. You know? Yeah. I, everything, every, every single business I look at, because I was in that very dark place, and I'm not there anymore, but it, I'll, I'll be straight up, it, it, it did... Suicide did cross my mind a couple of times, has done in the past. Um, I hope, hope you touch wood, you know, I, I never go back there and I've just got to keep controlling my demons. But as a case, if I look at stuff, it's right. If I build something, are there the people there where if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, we'll continue it and make it good and continue to look at what we're doing. And I'm very proud that everything I'm doing now, I have those people there. Mm-hmm. And there are people which they might move on Grand, you know, in some cases, I really hope they do because they're very, very good and they don't deserve to be down here. They deserve to be up there. 
Uh, wait, hang on. That that's that sounds based on what I just said. That sounds. <laughs> no, you mean. They don't. When I say that, they, they deserve to be at the very top of the game rather yeah. than like back back down, sort of just in the middle, just there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I it's it's. I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by really, really, really good people, mm-hmm. um, and we're building something awesome together with whatever it is. Um, and yeah, you know what? It's not 100 Chelsea. It's not top of the game anymore. But do you know what? I am happy. And I'm happier and I feel stronger in myself. And I'd love to get back up there. But I know if I do get back up there mentally, I'm going to be a hell of a lot more stable. Mm-hmm. A hell of a lot more stable. And I think that's that's the most important thing because I'll be so focused on it. Yeah, I think it goes to show how how important it is about having the right people around you. Like you're a product yeah. of your surroundings, product mm-hmm. of your environment, in, in everything you do. And you can only be as as i guess as passionate and as joyful and as committed as the people around you and if you don't share the same visions as people i guess that's something that maybe the school system could help us with a little bit more once you get into like a to like a friendship group at school or when when you're a bit younger it's quite hard to to step back and sort of take these things in um well it's ironic for what they are yeah well it's, it's the school system that actually tried to stop me doing youtube um and actually Again, it's another thing where I said I was mentally recovering from obviously what happened to me over the past couple of years. I was still mentally recovering from what happened to me at school mm. um, because the school system, you know, I'm I, I don't I don't say I'm fortunate for it, but I was I was privately educated, um, and I don't think the private school system helps anybody. I think it just fills people with insecurities and builds it to a certain image, and you have to do a certain thing, and the school just ruined everything they tried to ruin me and my dad are very very close like it's for the reasons we get into later we're very very close and they tried to drive a wedge between me and my dad um and try to ruin my they ruined my self-confidence um and everything they could because i didn't fit their image of you have to wear a suit and tie and go work in the city um but they still like to turn around at the minute and try and take credit for for stuff that I've done, which is funny because, you know, private school system is very much, oh, we're, we make these great people. These people are so great. Oh, look what they're doing now. It's it's all part of us. It's not, they don't give a fuck. Again, very passionate about this. The private <laughs> school system does not give a flying fuck about any single kid in their care. All they care about is getting the money from the parents and getting the number, and the kids are just numbers. It might be the same in other schools as well, but for me, look, I've already decided if I, when I have kids, um, I would not put them through private education purely down to the fact that the kids that are there, most of them are, are monsters. And most kids are not monsters normally, but these are the sort of kids where you turn up in a football shirt at school, be like, why are you not wearing a Abercrombie? Why are you not wearing Hollister? Oh my God, you don't do this. Oh my God, you don't do that. The elitism. Christ. I, I, I just want, yeah, just, I think realistically, like you are a product of your surroundings. Um, and my surroundings were very fortunate to be with my dad and with my friends outside of school. You know, I'd go play football with kids from anywhere at school. I'd go, my my godmother used to live on a council estate and I'd spend my weekends there if I wasn't in London with my dad doing other things. And we'd play, I'd play football with anybody. I think, you know, it's the debut that I think, yeah, private education and, and the school system, well, private school systems are just pointless. It's completely redundant. It's just money-making schemes. Um, but, you know, the, I, I've already said, you know, if I had my kids, I think it's important that you have the right surroundings socially. And even if it's a case of um, socially at school, I think you should be surrounded by loads of different types of people mm. because it gives you a more rounded view of life yeah. Um, rather than 
where I was unfortunate to be, um, which was just surrounded, quite frankly, by arseholes. Um, there, are, there are a few nice people to have come out, <laughs> but you know, it's yeah, the, the yeah school system it could do a lot more. But look, I think I think just the school systems in gen- in general in terms of sociability and just just general life and what it can do for you is completely outdated. Um, but it's it's a very important stage of people's lives. Definitely, mm. I definitely agree with you. Um, yeah, but I think it's a credit to yourself of sort of breaking that mold that was sort of set there for you to enter. But um, I would, I'd like to before we talk about Imperial Wolf and the mm. sort of passions that that you're working on now, um, like we've been doing, I try to talk about the adversity that people face. Um, I want I wanted to talk about your mother because I yeah. know on your 18th birthday in what was called the Beneventi Derby, you raised money for a cancer charity, which is which is something close close to home for you. Would you be yeah. willing to talk about why that is something so important to you? Yeah. So um, it's actually it's actually the first time I've actually spoken about it openly on a, on a podcast. Before. Um, so when I was two, uh, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer um, and it kept coming and going. Um, but unfortunately, when I was six, um, she did pass away. Um and obviously for a six-year-old, like it's it's a very, I, I honestly, I remember going to the hospital to see my mum. I still remember that. I don't remember the day at all. I just kind of blocked it out. Um, but I remember the, the hospital she was at was called the Royal Marsden. Now the Royal Marsden is, it's, it's a hospital which honestly, they have been, they have been, and they still are, because I do pop in when I can. Obviously, unfortunately, I haven't been able to because of because of COVID. Um, they are amazing, amazing, amazing people. Um, who we raised money for on my eighteenth birthday. Now, um, my obviously, my dad is the reason I said we're so close is because you know he 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 and my my godmother were the most amazing people on the planet ever. Um, my my mum, obviously, when I said she, she, when I first started going to school, my godmother um, was my carer originally because my mum used to work as in, in the city as a, uh, I think she was like HR or no, a headhunter for a company called Michael Page. And she decided to just step away from it because she wanted to come look after me. Uh, and she, my godmother at the time, she was, you know, she was a childminder. She was like, thank you very much, but we'll see you very soon. Um, take care of yourself. You've been very important to us. Um, my mum started having cancer again. And my godmother just came back um, and looked after me and my mum. Uh, and my dad, you know, just kept going. And like he, I, th- I can't imagine what he went through. Um, <clears throat> what he went through uh, in terms of working, trying to look after, you know, a, a dying wife and not not sheltering, but to a kid who didn't understand what the hell was going on, it was just life, you know, every weekend, going up to London and even after school sometimes, getting on the train, going up to London and seeing your, your mum just attached to a drip or just in in a hospital 
and you'd see all these people, it, it was just normal. Um, and I still didn't, still look back now, and obviously I still didn't completely understand it. Um, but the Royal Marsden, sort of, when my my mum did die, they did everything they could to help us afterwards. I I they had I had, you know, therapists sort of help me sort of understand it and get over it. I had someone at school as well look after me and stuff. Um, <clears throat> but the most amazing thing that the Royal Marsden has done is they had a support group for my dad, and it wasn't just made for him; it was made of people who are all widows and widowers. And my dad went to this support group in Fulham um, and met my stepmom, whose husband had died about a month before um, my mum of a brain tumour in the same hospital. Um, and she had a son at that point as well, so my, my brother. Um, and they brought us together, basically, as a family. And we are very lucky because I know there are people who aren't as fortunate as me, <clears throat> excuse me, um, who aren't as fortunate as me, who, you know, haven't been able to have three mother figures in their life. Like Gail just came in and she's treating me as her own son. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Wow. Oh, this is my, this is emotional. Woo! Um, <laughs> um, she treated me as her own son. And I've grown up being fortunate, being able to have someone like that in my life. Um, and then from that as well, dad's got married when I was 11 to Gail. And I've, we've now got, as a product of that, I've now got another brother who is, you know, kind of the glue that binds all of us together. And I think, like I said, you know, like you're talking about breaking moulds, I'm very proud I'm very <clears throat> sorry. No, oh, no it's okay. Me. It's okay. We don't have to. We'll go into it as much as you want to. I don't want. No, to, no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm, ha I'm happy to talk about it. It's important to talk about it. It's just yeah. Um, I'm very proud that my family is a mutt, and it's not a pedigree, and it's not someone who you look at as the perfect family which you see on TV and is kind of set out in life as these people are what you should be. And I'm very proud that my family is like a, a mutt and we've developed and we've grown and it's it's something which the Royal Marsden I can only credit for. And uh, on my 18th birthday, it kind of... Because <clears throat> it was the... That's sort of, you know, society. And I know I've said that, you know, I'm very proud that we're a very different society and that's what my family always were. You know, even like I said, with the private school system, my family were always outcasts, always. Whatever school that we were at, you know, I've been. I was went to two <clears throat> after primary school, and the first one we were just outcasts from the start. Like no one wanted anything to do with us. And the second one, I felt it was the same, um, especially at the end. Um, and you know that step which I could take with all of my friends when I turned eighteen, we all just went right. Fuck it, let's go play some football, and we just went down to the local ashery, booked it out. We raised three, four hundred pounds and we just played a game of football, which we, we I mean, we're going to do it again, hopefully. Um, obviously, me and my dad went, well, I might play, but my dad's already said that's the last game of football he'll ever play. Um, but I'm so proud that we could we could raise money together for such an important cause. 
um, of, and a group of people which, you know, did so much. And for me, you know, my aim in life is always anything I do is just to make my mum proud. And actually, obviously, the record this, this is the month that my mum my passed away on the 27th of April. So April is always a very hard month for me. And like we were talking about with um, Italy and how I feel the connections, my mum, her ashes are split between Liverpool, which is where she's from, and Italy. Um, so both places are very, very special to me. Um, Italy, especially because whenever I go there, she's got this, I'll send you pictures if you want to put it in. She's got this, where she's buried, She her ashes are put in the same cemetery as a lot of people from my family. And she's got this amazing view of the hills in Italy where it's just rolling, beautiful, quiet. And where she's buried, you've got the church at the bottom of the hill and the cemetery's at the top of like a spiralling, massive hill where the bell tower is as well. And it's because the bell tower is actually separate from the church and you get to the cemetery and then there's another about hundred yard walk where you can just sit by the bell tower. And for me, because I think that's also a big part of my healing process over the past couple of years, which I haven't been able to do. I haven't been able to just go in April and sit at that bell tower which for me is a very important part of my reviewing process of the year. My year is realistically in my head. It's like they either work in the school year format, which is September or the football season, which is like August, September through to May or June and then start again. Um, and that is also always a very important part of my process because I always want to do my mum proud with whatever I do. Um, and I've got a fantastic support network around me. Like I said, Gail, treat me as her own son. My godmother, who I haven't actually spoken to for a very long time. And I need to because she was, she just, again, treat me as one of her own sons. Um, my uncles, my mum's my best friend, my aunt, who I also haven't spoken to for a long time. You know, all these amazing people that have helped me grow up. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the Royal Marsden, them... And my mum, it's obviously a very, it's a very important thing. Um, and it's something which I think, you know, like you said, you go into it as much as you can. I, I'm happy to go into it. But I think it's important that people can try and be open about their whole process. And I think for me, I, I'll, I'll never, I think Chris actually explained it best to me. Um, Chris Reeve. Well, pain's like a, it's like a ball. And obviously, it's very big at the beginning, but it slowly gets smaller as time progresses. For me, it's, it's never gonna. I don't. It's got smaller as time goes on, but you know. And there's things which I've 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 had to deal with mentally, um, and crossing certain boundaries. Like Gail is, I call her mum. She's my mum. And then there's people. There's times where I remember one of my friend's mums asked about. She said, "Oh, how's how's Mario? How's Gail? Said, oh, yeah, mum and dad are good." Do you find it weird calling her mum? And there's times where it's even stuff. When when it annoys me that people use that to get to me. I know she didn't mean to get to me, but she, you know, when I tried to explain to her, you know, it's, it's, people just don't seem to understand it. Um, and obviously everyone's on their own individual journey. Um, but, you know, for me, I look at it and I, uh, you know, I think the, the, the whole process is, it's, you know, it's very much, I think grief isn't something which men often speak about. Um and obviously I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by 
very loving people who have just engaged me in it. And it is looked at as a weakness. Um, my family is the thing I care about more than anything. And when I say it to people, you know, people just say it as a, as the, you know, they look, it's just a stereotype. You know, it's the way I was raised. And it's not just the Italian thing of like, oh, yeah, we're a family. You know, everyone's in the fucking Sopranos and the Godfather. Oh, we're a family. Oh, yeah. Thumbs up. I, I I, don't look at that. For me, If I have my Imperial War family. I have my Chelsea Echo family. I have my work, my friends. My, that, that is my family. That's every, every, I care about every, even if I only met you five minutes ago, but you're part of that journey. You are part of my family. And... I will fight for every single one of those person people as much as I can every single time and always have done. But my it's see being my mum and my family, my immediate family, it's like it's always used to try and get to me. That's the thing which people use because they know it's a soft thunder because I I I've I've grown to hold on to a bit more. But now sort of you know, I, I, obviously as I've got older, I think, you know, we talked about rants. I've definitely, I've calmed down a lot. You know, I'm not as, as angry as I was. I know there was obviously lots of other factors. I mentioned school. The school was a factor why I was always angry because I never had the support I should, I felt I should have had. You know, I've always felt like I'm, like I said, I always felt like an outcast. I've always felt like I'm somebody who, there are times where, and it, I know it sounds so arrogant and I don't mean for it to sound arrogant, but there's time where I feel like I haven't got the credit I deserve for things that I've done. Um, and I've just grown over the past 18 months, two years to learn that, to be frank, I don't really give a shit about what those people think about it. I care what the people who I'm working very closely with think about it. And I care what my friends and my family who have actually, the people who, because there are people I've met along the way who I, I, you know, who are through YouTube that, you know, are actually now my friends. You know, the people that I care about the opinion, like I said, Chris Reeve, I, yeah. Like I care about so much. Nico, who's at Wharf, he's like my big brother. Um, but my mostly my, my family and my friends who have seen me develop from just the fat kid who did stupid shit but and was really loud, but, you know, clearly had a vision and wanted to go somewhere to someone who has actually achieved a certain amount of that. And I, I've not, I'm nowhere near done but you know, has continued to achieve and grow, and obviously they're the ones which have seen that whole process, and they're the ones I care about. Um, you know, everything I do is to make everyone I really care about proud. Every single thing. Um, and yeah, I might not do things which people are proud of. Sometimes I do stuff I'm not proud of. Sometimes, blimey, some stuff I look back at and I go, "Why the fuck did I do that?" But you know, I. For my mum and everything, it's just it's just so important that I do everything right because she isn't here to see it. Um, but every single step I take, I have actually on my desk. I've got a box which is it's like a actually I've got it here. I'll show you. It's like um, it's in here. It's like a little box my dad gave me actually when I went to my second school. I kept it in my pocket the whole time. It's actually a box which got a, a lock of my mum's hair in it. It's got like a little cherub. And then on my desk, I've also got some of her perfume and, and stuff like that. Just to remind me that this is what I'm doing it for. And I still remember the, my first day at Ball Street, I have a picture of me and my mum and my grandma, which is actually the one I put on social media a lot, of the three of us, um, sat there and I put it on my desk. And I was just typing away. I was like, 
why have you got pictures of your family? I was like, well, I said, oh, nobody really has pictures of their family on their desk. I was like, oh, okay. At this point, I was, I was just 18. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, yeah. right, okay. But now I look back at it, it's like, I, I get people that they kind of want to keep, especially with YouTube. Like I, my, my family are involved in Imperial Wolf. You know, my dad's an advisor. My mum's an advisor. My brother takes pictures and my youngest brother <laughs> is convinced he's going to play for us one day. So, you know, at some point I've got all my family involved, but it's kind of very much like I, I like to keep them separate and not sheltered, but purely because like I said, over the past couple of years, they're seen as a weakness and a, an underbelly. Yeah. And they've been so strong throughout this entire process. The whole, like people have asked them things and questioned them on it and not made the, the stuff that isn't true. But, you know, everything I do is for my family. Um, and one day, you know, it would be nice to have somebody I can I can share it with, you know, um, who can who I can do all that stuff with, like you know, that's that's a, it's a very in my head. I've already got you know visions of of in a few years' time when I have my own kids and being able to take them, say right, that's your grandma, take them to the clock tower, take them to do all this stuff, and be able to do it all through stuff that I've built and I've achieved. And it's it's hard, you know. Mm. You know, there are people which, you know, are comfortable and just following, they're, they're doing what they want to do, but, you know, it's just getting a paycheck and they're comfortable. I never wanted to be comfortable. I want to own my creations and I want to be able to turn around and share that with my family and say, you help me do this. This is ours. I want to be able to turn around to my mum and dad maybe one day, like even when they, when they retired and just say, look, like there's an advisor role and I can give you payment for it and I can do everything and just sort of look after everybody. Which is my strength and it's also my weakness because I'm too nice. That's a big problem. That's something I need to deal with. I'm too nice. Um, and I need to learn to balance it. But, you know, I want to be able to do all of this all because of my mum. And it, yeah, it's, I mean, even though I didn't understand it, you know, growing up, I got to speak to her about, about, about Mira and, and do stuff like, um, and it shaped me who I am. Like whenever I remember my great uncle being buried, in the same cemetery, he's literally because it's, it's it's like a wall. So you've got ashes at the top, which my mum's uh, she's ashes. She's uh, she's half of it, really half of it. Liverpool, as I said, she's at the top, and then about three down and four across uh, is my uncle who's buried. And I still remember when he got buried. A lot of people sort of like asking what, like you know, about my mum and all this sort of stuff, and they're hearing stories about my mum. And it's been really good recently where, like, as part of that journey, as my mum, I've actually been able to understand my personality a bit more because mm. um, my dad's been able to like speak to me and share with me some stuff about what my mum could be like. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some stuff which I've never understood why I'm a certain way. And then I've heard that and I've gone, right, that's mm. that's that's where I get it from. And my mate, my mum, sometimes there's, there's people like Prana who's involved with Wolf and she's like talking about stuff and I, I for example I don't do something right or you know I can do things very seat in my pants sometimes and I never understood it it was just very much I just I'm, can, I can be very sort of just like right fuck it we're doing it like sort of just mentally just fuck something off and just like right go ahead. again swearing just like nah, um, um, like I don't I understand my mum could be very seat in the pants <laughs> I hear some of the stories about how my mum was and how loud how talkative how <laughs> how mental she could be uh, and then it's kind of nice that over the past especially the last few months um, because obviously with 
bubbles and stuff. I'm actually part of my family, bubble and that sort of stuff. We've been and I've, I'm very fortunate to live right by Richmond Park. Um, and I've been going for walks. With my dad, you know, he drives up from Kent. We used to go for a walk, have a chat every other Friday. And I've been very fortunate to be able to just have conversations with my dad, where he's just been very open with me about stuff which he hadn't in in the past. And being able to understand stuff and understand my family history a bit more and understand more about me and my mum and how everything is. And it just it just makes everything I do every single day that little bit more special. Yeah. Um, just that, just that little bit more, it adds to it. And I just know that <laughs> when I do get to where I want to be, because it is going to happen, you know, I, I, I know I might be very... There are some cases in the past where, yes, I can very openly say I have been very difficult to work with i can be a fucking nightmare <laughs> again excuse my french but i can be a nightmare but i know that i we i we i will with the people that i care about and with everything and even if it's people that i care about now we might fall out like i have done with people in the past you know they like i said it's still a very important part every single person i meet is a very important part of my life and whether then you know if they stick around brilliant you know that i'm gonna i know my best friends from home, I'm going to have them until the day we uh, we all die. You know, that is what it's going to be. Wherever they are in the world, like my best friend, we can not speak for like three, four months, but we just pick up straight away. Me and Matt's like, that's it. Just back on it. Do you, do you think then that going through all of those things that, that you have been through, has that changed or gave more reason to why you started Imperial Wolf? Um, Kind of. I think Imperial Wolf was something I just wanted to do. Mm. For ages, like I, I remember, I was about 50 or 16, 17. I'd be sat, you know, in my free period because, you know, I'd be sat I, yeah, in the end, you know, obviously, like I was school, I just I almost didn't give a shit, to be honest. In the end, I was just, oh, just you know, pointless, yeah. like whatever happens, happens. I treat it like shit. I was like, fuck it. I'd sit there and watch hashtag. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, like, I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to do that. But I just didn't have the infrastructure around me. And then again, Imperial Wolf was born out of 100% Chelsea. You know, I was very fortunate to then get the infrastructure around me. And obviously we're at university. It was a football university I went to. So I had even more infrastructure around me in terms of going, well, you can make a football club. Like you can just go do this. And I go, right, okay. Um, but Imperial War for me was like kind of, I felt I'd, I'd achieve what I could achieve at 100% Chelsea. I couldn't push it anymore. Like I said, because mentally it was just too much of a strain. Um, and I just wanted to take a step back and build that. And I'm now, Imperial War for me, yeah. I think, you know, irrespective of whatever content create, I want my fans to be proud of me. You know, they might not like sometimes like the language which is being used. They might not like the uh, the way that I go about it. But at the end of the day, I'm there going, well, I, as much as I'm making you proud, I also need to make myself proud. I want to create things which yeah. are me. You know, I don't want to be the same as somebody else or, you know, like... I I I can do the very serious journalism stuff and I can sit down a camera and make those points. But at some point, I will make a stupid joke or I will laugh at something because that's the way I am. Mm. You know, I can't be too serious all the time. Can you imagine me presenting the 10 o'clock news? Absolutely not. But could you imagine me doing something like Russell Howard good news? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> that's kind of how it is. It's like, it's kind of the, the middle ground. Um, what sort of manager is, is Mr. Benaventi? 
Are you an arm round the shoulder type or an ice cold <laughs> Fabio Capello banning ketchup in the kitchen? Oh, I'm definitely not a Fabio Capello. That, that is <laughs> mental, by the way, what he did with that. That's nuts. That is, yeah. Unfortunately, in the first year of Imperial Wolf, because it was an absolute... Because the thing is, right, I always wanted to do a football club, but also I, I had the infrastructure and I had a few mates who wanted to do it with me. But it was kind of a very much sort of like a... Let's just do it for a laugh and a, a bit of a mess around at first. But it was always, we wanted to do it seriously, but unfortunately the mentality was there. That's when you come up against, you know, AFTV and established brands where they've got ridiculously good players. We're sat there going, right, this, this this might be a bit more difficult. So we're literally looking at it and there'd be times where I'd have guys that are playing for us who obviously were like really good footballers. And I'm I look, I'm not a coach coach. You know, I'm I'm that's not kind of how I am. That's why I've got like like to Steve and Nico there. Who are probably you know, Nico's a Muay Thai champion in Thailand. Like I think he was like the first white guy to actually win the belt and um fight in front of the king of Thailand um, and uh, yeah like I, I felt the first year was very much like a, a kids football coach it's like okay guys we're only 3-0 <laughs> down there are some positives in that though but inside I was absolutely seething and wanted to sit there and go for fuck's sake I just do this um, this year fortunately like I don't look at last year as year one because of COVID and because of how unbalanced everything was because mm. it had to keep it was a constant chopping and changing this for me is year one and we we've, we've built we've developed um and we have a relatively solid foundation and we've got a great core of players great group of lads there um and uh yeah i, I can i can be more of myself now i can be more of a why are you not being that doing this why are you being a dickhead i can do that now because i'm now looking going we are one of the better teams in our division i feel we are one of the better teams on youtube now we just need to go and prove it by beating a couple of established YouTube teams, and I think we will. I think we can do it. Um, but I think you know we we are. It's a case of now. It, it, yeah, like the 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 vibe that I want to create at Imperial Wolf. And I was actually after we had our training session last night, and I was walking to the station with a couple of players, and they were just asking me about it. We were talking about it. Is it is a family? You know, whenever you walk through a door, if you, you're always welcome. If you walk out, as long as you've not been an arsehole to everybody, you're always welcome back. Um, and you treat people with respect. Um, and we, it's positive. We build each other up. And it's just bringing us all together to make sure that everything is done. And there are people which are there who, you know, fell out of love with football. And one of my missions is much, it's in a similar case to the Rising Ballers in some cases. For me, it's a case of cool, like, like I said, in terms of people moving on, there are players who have fallen out of love with the game or didn't get picked up who just want to play football and just mm. enjoy themselves and learn to love it again. And that's what I want to be able to do with a lot of these players. Yeah. Um, and even if they can't move on and they do end up just staying because they want to play football and they just love us, then brilliant. But there are players, for example, Ed, you know, he had the social media thing. You know, Amazon picked him up, BT picked him up, doing stuff, doing the skills where he bounced it across a pond and all that sort of stuff. Ed's a player who, you know, is far too good for us. He's far too good for us. So I'm there going, cool, let's build you back up. Let's build, for you, for his case, for example, let's build his social media presence. So if you if football actually playing doesn't work out, he's actually doing things on TikTok, on social media platforms where we can turn around and I can go, right, try this, this and this, and then we can get a brand deal and send it your way so you can be sustainable yourself. Um same with other players, you know, guys, we've got Jay Jones, you know, played for Jerome Daly, Umbro athlete, you know, he played step six non-league and he's fallen out of love with the game. So he's walked away from that and he's just playing for us. And he has been so important over the past few months because he 
because very much like I said, you know, this is my second year of running a football club. Like it's, it's, it's mental. Like I'm 23 and I own a football club. Like that's nuts. Um, and it's like he's very much been someone I can turn around and go right Jay what am I doing this right is this is we, something we should do better how should we handle this he's been so important in it Josh Faroka and club captain he's 21 going 40 in some cases <laughs> he is he's one of he's, I think he is actually the youngest player in the squad and he's the club captain um, he's fantastic Max Bilal every single you know I've, I'm naming names here but I should but every single person involved Jack Devonport bless him as well as another guy he uh, he might not play as often he's got really bad knees he might be not play but he turns around to me every week and goes right if I'm not playing is there anything you need me to do is there anything you need to do? and just it's everyone just picks each other up and we all just mm. drive each other forward um, and it's it's yes part of it is I mean which mentally what we were talking about previously is is part of that is me saying this is my vision for this club um, and other parts of it as well as the other people which have been brought their own elements to it and like I said you know my family very proudly is not pedigree very proudly we are not a pedigree family I remember my dad saying that to me he said we're not a pedigree we're not like these people and I don't mean it like he didn't mean it in a, in a bad way that we weren't like these people he's like just, we're different and Imperial Wharf is the same and that's the image it's creating you know we, we, we for example every YouTube football team Oh, let's make our YouTube football team. Oh, and by the way, we're going to put grime music behind all of our, our games. Oh, yeah, we've got to be really road and really street when we're talking about stuff. Da, 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 da. And I'm sat there doing comms with Benj, just taking the piss. And then we've got obviously our kit, for example, which is, you know, very retro inspired. And um, the music we use, we actually use real bands. We use people that are up coming artists, for example, with Bedside Manners is, you know, the thing on the back of our shirt says My People Matter, which obviously is very important to the aura which we're creating around the club but also it's a track from them uh who um who you know are very good friends of mine and i've known for example their guitarist ethan for nearly five well before i started youtube i knew ethan and um you know we were just talking and just doing stuff and you know we, we use their music and we develop that and it's alternative rather than just being the same as everybody else be proud to be different that's my I, I'm very proud. There are times where I'm like, oh, why am I not getting this? Because it's not good, but it's because it doesn't fit a certain thing. Mm. I know, for example, I currently, as 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 who I am, do not fit what major media companies want. I don't, and I, I know that. So I'm there. That's why another reason. It's like I'm proud to be different. I'm proud to go. Well, I'm creating my own thing. And then the mentality I have to have is not us against them because the chip on the shoulder is one of the reasons I became quite toxic. Um, it was also it drove me but it was also a reason that made me toxic um but it's like you know i'm very proud to maybe in a few years people are you know, we'll turn around we'll be doing stuff and people turn around and go oh can we come work with you? can we do stuff can we just and i'll be like yeah sure we'll work with you but then that's when for example where now i'm too nice i'm hoping i'm going to develop and i can actually be mm. a bit more of a hard-nosed business person as well as a creative person you know i want to make sure that everything we create because it's me in charge now because I'm doing it and I've got the right people around me. We are creating the right thing. And it's like I said, it's going to take longer, but we're very proud to be different to everybody else. YouTube teams can get, they can get a bit of stick, I think, from from the traditionalists, I guess you'd say. But yeah. is, is that something that, that has ever concerned you? Or, I mean, you've sort of grown up with it. Have you been able to, to like fully embrace it? Oh, people, people have always turned around to me and said, what you're doing is stupid. So I've kind of just taken it and embraced it. Already, we've had people turn around when they score a worldie against us and go, put that in your fucking video, all this sort yeah. of stuff. 
To which my response usually is, well, that's the point. You know, it's it's a it's a football game, so mm. you can take it and you can look really good. But you know, it's it's you know traditionalists don't like it. But again, it's like there are players. One of my players, he played in the Essex Senior League a couple of years ago, and obviously just as hashtag I got into there, um, people can see what happens with hashtag. So all the all the traditionalists are now going, oh yeah, let's let's get on social media, let's do this, yeah. let's do that. Um, but they'll still rip us to shreds for <laughs> for doing it. Um. But yeah, no, we he starts turning around and you know I I'm used to it. I I didn't expect it as much as we have got it, um, but you know it's it's just been the case. Mm. Um, so I just kind of we we kind of just take it on the chin. But the thing is, the beauty of what we're doing as well as we know, and last week we had it, we know teams want to beat us now. They they in in our division we are every single team's cup final. They get ringers in to try and beat us, and none of them have been able to do it yet. Not a single one. So they can get their non-league players to come in and try and tear us apart. <laughs> but we still stand there. And even if we don't win, it's a draw. And the draws annoy us. We we want to win every single game. But even if we get a draw, we're kind of there still going, I'm still unbeaten. Very much, unfortunately, that's that we don't I don't want to be like that sort of how Arsenal were when Robert Perez felt like they need to dive to get a penalty against Portsmouth. <laughs> so they are now unbeaten still. But I'm there going, turn around, going, Do you know what? if we're winning games at the end of the season for me if I've got behind me here the space for two trophies I've made space so I'm there going cool they're going to sit behind me and then we'll have two trophies behind us and we can push on and kick on defend them and even maybe even go into other divisions um, yeah the next stage for us is once we've won those is I, I want to beat because it's something we haven't done yet I want to beat mainstream YouTube teams and really put our mark on the territory because I've said it openly that right now mathematically people laugh when I say mathematically we are in a Saturday division in non-league we are unbeaten so right now realistically we are the best team in southwest London and you know that's that's a fact you know mathematically but you can't just be it mathematically I want to be able to turn around to SE Dons in the next two years and go yo put your you know put your balls on the table let's mm. have a game and then beat them you know that's that's it for me I want to be able to turn around and say this is who we are this is what we're building you know, get on now or get on later. But if you get on later, you're not going to be as big a part. You're not going to see the whole process for what it is. SE Dons took five years to get to where they are. You know, this ain't going to happen overnight. Yeah. Hashtag took five years to get to where they are. So I know what we're building is special. So it's just a case of putting it into place now and, and, and pushing forward. But, you know, YouTube teams do get a stick. But to be honest, I'm now they're going, do you know what? And all of us, we don't care, you know. We 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 just the thing is we're, we we don't look at ourselves as a YouTube team. We are a football team, which happens to have a major strength in media creation and social media. Mm. You know that's just what we are. You no, know, we are still a football team that turns up. If they want to see us as a YouTube team and kick seven shades of shit out of us to try and beat us, so be it. But we'll still get up and we'll turn around and go right. We'll put three goals in your net then. Mm. Do that. Simple as that. You just got to have. You just unfortunately, you know where I'm saying. I can be too nice. Slowly over the past six months, especially, I've grown that mentality. I've grown back to certain parts of it, which there were certain parts of it, like I said, I'm just, which were good, where the chip on the shoulder was bad, but there's certain parts of the chip on the shoulder which were good. So I can now turn around and go, this is what we are. This is what we're doing. Have that. You know, this is what we're going to be doing. And you're going to turn around to us and do what you want. Cool. We don't care. Mm-hmm. We're developing our own thing. Um, 
and we're loving it. It's brilliant. Oh my great stuff! I'm great that you're you're feeling so passionate about it. I'll keep an eye on the fixtures list. I'll get along to a game soon. Uh, Definitely, I'm always welcome. Um, Louis, we touched on we've touched on so much today, um, an awful lot of topics. I think this might actually be the longest episode I've, I've done. Maybe we've uh, yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of different pathways to this conversation. Um, but I've, I think I feel like that's a good note to to round it off on. So I'd, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it even more so. And also, I, I, I understand. I could see, see it wasn't easy to talk about some of the things that you spoke about. Like you said, you haven't spoken about it on podcasts before. So I do really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, thank you. I'm sure it will help other people as well listening to it that, um, that have gone through through similar things. It's the least I can do. I, and I really appreciate it. Man. This, it's a fantastic show. You've had some fantastic people on and I'm glad to be able to, you know, I'm, I'm glad you felt you could bring me on. I'm glad you felt that I was, you know, you know, good enough to bring on. And, you know, yeah, I, I do appreciate being able to open up about it. And yeah, even though it was difficult, you know, you have to face your demons. You can't keep running away. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just got you just got to keep going, really. That's that's life. Peaks and troughs, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad I could. Hope, hopefully I can, I can help some people with it. So, yeah, I really appreciate having me on. Great stuff. Pleasure, mate. My pleasure. And to the listener, thank you for joining me today on the Football and Feelings podcast. Um, head over to the socials, maybe find me on there. Just search uh, Liam Masters on Twitter or Football and Feelings on Instagram. But now I'll see you next time. Cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 